We have a very special guest in our studio this morning here at JM and the AM, and I want to thank the legendary Glenn Richter for facilitating this conversation. Operation Wedding is a documentary film by Anat Zalmanson Kuznetsov. I hope that that's pronounced properly. Uh, oh, perfect, she says. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Boker Tov Anat. Boker Tov. And we first heard about Operation Wedding, well, when we were kids, frankly, when the, uh, when the operation we referred to or the episode we're referring to took place. And uh, all these years later, Anat went ahead as a documentarian and put the whole story together in this film uh, that um, has, been, uh, has been seen and um, is playing to critical acclaim. And uh, she is here to discuss the film and the history of a very important time in modern Jewish history. I say Boker Tov again to you. Uh, Operation Wedding. Uh, we go back to the former Soviet Union, right? At that time, the Soviet Union. It's very hard for some people in this audience to realize that there was not free movement of Jews from the Soviet Union at that time. Not just Jews. Everyone. No one could Nobody could you leave. Need to have to, you need to have an exit visa to get out. You need to go to an office and say, can I please get out of the country? Even for traveling, you're just not allowed. And when you ask for a visa to get out, they think of you as a, like you betrayed the country. Maybe you want to be a spy. They don't know. So they're not going to give you an exit visa. Um, and uh, most, most people uh, lost their jobs because of that as well. So you're stuck in a country and you can't get out and you don't have a job. And so even asking for exit visa was very brave, actually. So there are, um, there are a group of people... Jewish people in Russia at the time, in the Soviet Union Soviet at the Union. time, in the Soviet Union at the time, who, um, who, who start to push back a bit, who decide they want to leave Russia, they'd rather be in the United States or Israel, correct? Well, I, no, not correct, actually. The, the group of my parents, uh, except from the two non-Jews that joined them, they were all uh, people who felt that Israel is their home, they were in Latvia for many generations, but they never felt belong there, and they just wanted to be home in Israel. And they and and they would never have done it if it was to go to America. It was not so. It was not simply to leave Russia. It was to no. get to Israel. Yeah, I mean the story. It was human rights. I mean, right. Of course, you need to let people out. But um, for example, my mother and, and her brothers. Uh, she was an engineer. She lived in the center of Riga. They had a pretty normal life. I mean, except from anti-Semitism, which is everywhere basically. Anyway. Um, and I asked her, would you have done it if there was no Israel? And she said, no, you know, because it was being in, not just prison, you know, Gulag, the, the Soviet Gulag, which was very harsh. It's not at all uh, like American prison or Israeli prison, as I learned when I was filming. And I was shocked about it. I don't know why. Uh, I was naive, I guess. So uh, actually, they, yeah, they just wanted to be in Israel, and they all live in Israel, except from one. Pretty amazing. Yeah. How old was your mother at the time of the episode? My mother was 25. My father and, was 29. And that was the average age of the people in the group? They basically were all in their 20s or upper 20s? The, or? the youngest one were 21. The, older one, the oldest one was the pilot. It was his idea, and he was 40, 41, actually. So how does one hatch this idea? The idea is we're going to find a plane, steal that plane, and use that plane to leave Russia to leave the Soviet Union. Well, they planned to buy all the tickets to the plane, and they did. Well, it's just a 12-seat plane. It's not so much. So they bought all the tickets on a 12-seat plane. Yeah, they said they're going to a local wedding, therefore Operation Wedding. So uh, uh, they they bought all the tickets to the plane, and the pilot, and they, they planned to just um, force 
not with violence, but forced the pilot. Uh, Strongly the pilot. suggested a violence. Well, <laughs> you know, they prepared for them. No, no, no violence. They promised right. no bloodshed in no, in no, no matter what. But right. they were, they were already ten people and two pilots. That the pilots had uh, no chance anyway. So they would just nicely tell them to get out. They prepared for them uh, sleeping bags, tent, and a vodka. And, uh, but, you know, they didn't think it would happen anyway. And, uh, and then the pilot of the group, Mark Dimschitz, would take the plane uh, and fly below the radar. And it's only 15 minutes flight to cross the border. Of course, you have to fly another hour and a half to get to Sweden, but 15 minutes flight to, to get out of the danger. But, uh, you know, it's, when I say it like that, it sounds possible, but actually they never thought they would succeed. They never did. Then why pursue it? Well, they hoped that their brothers... <laughs> in uh, the West and in Israel would fight for them. They just, wanted, they just wanted people to know. They sent letters to the UN before, and they sent letters to Israel, and they didn't understand why they're not getting any response. Nobody responded. Well, the reason was because um, there was a fear that if you get a lot of attention of, uh, with people with names, they would be arrested. Right. So people did try to help them, but they didn't know about it, so they just did this desperate act. Today we know that uh, Soviet Union really cared about what, uh, what America especially thinks about them. So uh, whenever there were demonstrations or something happened, they would uh, let, people mo let more people go. But today it's easy to know it. Right, and it's interesting because there was such a debate uh, in the community in the United States at that time about whether the demonstrations helped or hurt those who were behind the Iron Curtain. Now you're telling us that it certainly helped. Well, depends uh, what kind of demonstration. As long as the the nonviolence one, I think right. it helped. The well, we had some large ones here, you know. At the, the large ones, of course, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> they they are in. You know, when I see archives of the demonstrations, I I really get uh, teared up because it's the solidarity, you know. And my film is is a lot is about uh, two things. One is about the power of an individual uh, to change the situation and history to affect it. And the other one is really about solidarity, and especially Jewish solidarity, because I have been thinking about it a lot, if it's just human right or is it Jewish. I think it's Jewish human right, because there were uh, also people who were not allowed to live that are not Jewish, but the, the fight, you know, mainly the majority was for Jews, because I think, uh, it, once again, it's not just about to live, which is also a very good cause, right. but it was about the fact that they were not wanted there. Jews was the lowest form of being in the Soviet Union. They weren't welcome. They weren't welcome, but they're not allowed to leave. Right. So, you know. So then what do you do? Yeah. Uh, Anat Zalmanson Kuznetsov is here in our studio. Operation Wedding is the name of the documentary. Uh, so they know, as you say, that they are going from the airport to jail, basically, right? They knew that. They're yeah. basically going to well, go. Well, they thought maybe they would ki get killed as well. Right. Maybe. They're ready to give up their lives to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Um, or to make their plight known and the plight of Soviet Jews known. This Earlier this week, I spoke on the air with Natan Sharansky when we were with Nefesh Nefesh down in, uh, in Florida, and uh, I, I made the point, or I, I asked him to again make the point that he has made many times, that is that the Six-Day War, 1967, was a very big factor in helping Jews in the Soviet Union identify with the state of Israel. Would, would, your, would your parents say that, that the Six-Day War was a very, very important key event? The Six-Day War was the main key event for, for this group as well. They, after the Six-Day War, they felt if a tiny state like Israel can beat five huge Arab states, then we can also, maybe we can also win the Soviet Union. And also, 
they knew, the news that they received in Soviet Union is that Israel is losing, losing, losing. All of a sudden, it was winning. So <laughs> Day, days later. <laughs> they, <laughs> so they realized, you know, and uh, it def- definitely affected them. It made them feel stronger. They walked prouder. And they were celebrating uh, in the forest that day of the, the victory. I can imagine. Um, okay, I, I know that, uh, that if people watch the documentary, they can get somewhat of a taste of this in retrospect. Uh, what was prison life like for those who took part in Operation Wedding? Um, the, first of all, there is no like real food. Uh, the, the bread is wet. Uh, they give you uh, like soup, but my mother said once she found a mouse in there, once a cockroach. Uh, I, th- I know my mother, she couldn't eat for the first six months. She was uh, throwing up all the time, uh, so she was very sick. And um, after that, you get used to it, I guess. The beginning, the first six months, I think, is the hardest because you have no connection with the outside world before the trial. So it's like completely solitary, and you don't, there is no lawyers, no newspaper, no visiting, so they didn't even know what's happening. Um, and then in the gulag itself, uh, I mean, basically food and uh, hungry and food and cold. My mother was in solitary confinement for six months mm. in the cold in Siberia. She had to jump up and down not to freeze. Mm. Uh, she only got a small, a thin dress. I don't know how she survived it, to be honest. <laughs> and at that age, yeah. Yeah. She, she, she was there because she beat uh, an anti-Semitic prisoner. She beat, he beat, she beat her heart, so she got into solitary confinement. Oh, she, was, she was not in solitary because of the episode itself. No, she, no. She, she was in solitary for that reason. Yeah. How many of the people involved in the episode, there were 10, right? You, you Actually, had, 16. Oh, there were 16? Yeah. 10 were on the plane? No, there were 16. Oh, 16 on the plane, even though there were, was only room for 10? No, it doesn't matter. Right. Anyway, two, two in the but, pilot seat. and then Right, two. so my question is, uh, were all 16 sentenced to death? Did they get similar sentences? What, what happened there? Well, um, four were released. Uh-huh. Um, one, she was pregnant, mm-hmm. and she was released because she was pregnant. Uh, the other one was Mark, Dish- da- Mark Dimshit's wife. She was released too. Right. Uh, and his two daughters, they were 15 and 17, so they were released. Um, so there were 12 on trial, 11 on one trial and one on other trial. Right. I don't want right. to complicate things. 12 on trial in general. And uh, my father, he was the leader of the group. Edward Koznitsov and the pilot Mark Dimschitz, which of course he, he thought about the idea and without him there would mean nothing. Right. They got a uh, death sentence and my, my mother 10 years and most of the group uh, between 8 to 15 years, one person got four. And in the film, your father addresses what it's like to be under a death sentence. He, yeah, he, um, my father is uh, a lot of the time misunderstood. Um, he, he knows he has a poker face. He was terrified, of course, and he admits it, but... Uh, he would never show it. He, not only that he never showed it, he did with his hand a gesture like he's flying to the sky. So, like, like he's flapping from, his wings. Exactly, flapping, exactly. That was his reaction. My mother, uh, she ran to, she somehow ran to him. Uh, it was so chaotic because the audience were shouting bravo because it was KGB audience, and the families were shouting fascist, you know. And, uh, and the, the KGB, they were clapping, and they gave the, the judges flowers. And my mother, in all this chaos, she came and she kissed him. One last kiss, she thought. How long were they in prison after that? 
Well, my mother was at the end released after four years thanks to uh, uh, the Israel caught a Soviet spy in the exchange with her. Wow, but it, it was, was a, a deal. It was a deal, but it was a secret deal. Right. Obviously, like everything Israel does. Right. <laughs> and then my father and Mark Dimshitz and most of the group were released in 1979, which was uh, nine years later. Right. In a prisoner, ex- uh, not a prisoner, yeah, a prisoner exchange of in with the U- with the United States. Actually, they caught two two spies. And at that time, did they all go to Israel? They weren't allowed to. What happened to them at that time? Uh, no, they were allowed. I mean, that once was it, wa- once you leave the Soviet Union, the, no, <laughs> they were thrown away from the Soviet. Ah, they were tossed out of the yes, country. Yes, they were like they told them, now you are not allowed to be in the Soviet Union. And my father said, oh. Finally. Yeah, so when Yosef <laughs> Mendelevich ends up in Israel, it's around that era, just around that time, right? Yosef Mendelevich was released in 81, mm-hmm. and uh, the two non-Jews in the group were released much, much later, in 84 and 85, and they were not allowed to leave immediately. And that lasted how long, that they were not allowed to leave? I, I'm not sure exactly. I think. Uh, Did they ever was... end up leaving? Oh, yes, they, they lived in, in New York. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, Anat Zalmanson Kuznetsov is in our studio. Operation Wedding is the name of the documentary. All right, uh, what what are we doing? Are we showing the documentary around town? Are we offering it for sale? How does it work? <laughs> How do people get to see through your eyes uh, the uh, the story behind Operation Wedding? Well, we just had a premiere in New York, in Columbia University. We got standing ovation, which was really lovely. And uh, we're going to show again in May. Uh, we're still checking the option of exactly... Uh, where and when, but I can tell you it's going to be between uh, May 9 and 11. You can find information at www.operationweddingdocumentary.com, but have dashes in between. Anyway, Operation-wedding.documentary, but again, you can just search Operation You can just Google Wedding. it, documentary, just add the documentary. Right. Um, and then uh, I give all the information there, and, but we're definitely going to show in New York. Now I'm going, I'm doing a big tour. I'm going to Cleveland, Philadelphia, Washington, Toronto, Maine, Detroit, did I forget something? <laughs> <laughs> You're Israeli born, right? You were born in Israel. Definitely. Well, was so, so we know that one of the uh, one of the quote unquote highlights. I know I'm using that word, you know, somewhat incorrectly. Of your trip back to Russia was when you actually were in the prison cell of your mother, right? You visited the prison and were in the cell of your mother. Yeah. A very emotional experience. Are there other visits like that? I don't know. Did you visit the airport or the airfield where it happened or other things like that? Tell me about it. Well, actually, yeah, we we have we we first we went. I, you know about the prison. I didn't realize we we're going to the prison. Outside, it's a very beautiful building. This and is in what city? In Riga. Now it's the occupation because Riga, it was in Latvia. It was an occupied right. country. So now they, they, create, they made the prison into a museum and everybody can walk. And actually, they're going to do screenings of the film there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then do a tour. It's actually a pretty amazing uh, experience. Judy. <laughs> wow. And so I, from the outside, it's very beautiful. It's in the center of town, by the way, five minutes walk from my grandfather's uh, apartment. <laughs> and then um, we walk in because my producer told, we go, told me we're going to a KGB house. And me as an Israeli, I just think, uh, okay. Okay, KGB house, they did investigation there. I didn't realize it was a prison because it's, it's in the center of town. I couldn't even think about it. We walk in, we go down into the prison, which suddenly everything is dark and cold and horrible. And outside it's sunny and nice and people go to cafes. And uh, my mother starts saying, is it here? Is it this? And she starts looking at the rooms and suddenly I realize this is where she was at. I was really shocked and I completely broke down because I, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared for that. She remembered the exact room. Well, she yeah. couldn't remember the exact room, but she said she she showed me the rooms, and when they just arrived to the prison, they put them in a very small, very, very small, tiny room, only place to sit 
for hours and hours in the dark until they decide which room they will be at and um there is no like dining room or right. in the yard you just you it's it's a yard it's covered with the nets and you're not you're not going to see the sun and it's not with other people you each get some time alone in the yard very very lonely was that the most dramatic part for you uh yes it was it was the most dramatic part and my and the whole the whole scene in prison was very dramatic and my mother you know she remembered how she used to exercise in the yard and yeah. she 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 waltz she dances the waltz yeah. and <laughs> i, I can imagine how the how the prisoners how the not the prisoners how the wardens uh, how they looked at her yeah. <laughs> crazy we also went to the airport when they were arrested which is now very tiny and closed and it's extremely funny we have to go through a yard someone's yard and a dog is <laughs> barking at us when we go in <laughs> Um, we we were on a train ride on the way. We just did the whole the whole path basically. What would your parents say now? Was My, was it worth the effort? Can they even believe that they're in Israel? Can they believe that essentially something miraculous happened? That history changed to the point where, and they helped change history to the point where you know we we see so many people from the former Soviet Union now living in Israel. I don't think they imagined they could even imagine it would be that big and that effective, um, but. They, while they were in prison, this is what kept them going, the realization that there is an effect. Their friends are getting permission to leave. In the 60s, only about 3,000 Jews got exit visas from the USSR. In the 70s, right after the trial, about uh, 300,000 Jews wow. got permission to leave. 163 of them came to Israel. So they were... They were uh, they felt like the whole world is looking at them. And yes, uh, when I asked them today, they say, yes, it was worth it. Um, and, you know, they would have done it again. Where did they settle in Israel and what city? Uh, my mother in Ganyavna, near Ashdod, and my sure. father near Jerusalem in Mozailit. Wow. Um, there were non-Jewish groups around the world, including in Russia, in the Soviet Union itself, that were very vocal about the case, right? Yes. There were protests actually in in Russia or in the Soviet Union or were, the, were those European protests you were showing in the documentary? Look, in the Soviet Union it wasn't very, uh, it's not, demonstrations were not normal unless it's a demonstration from the, from the government itself. But uh, after the trial they felt like they shouldn't fear anymore and they started and the Soviet Union Jews started to protest as well which was very brave you can definitely oh, yeah. be arrested for that it's, sure. it's not and it's not like one day it, it can be like a big trial even um, and of course yes there were non-Jews um, uh, um, I mean in, there were human rights uh, I don't know about them in the Soviet Union I think there were very little obviously in the outside you know the Pope called right. and he said right. let them go and in, in, in America you have uh, Jackson Vanek commandments sure. and Senator Jackson and 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 Vanek, which they made the trade, uh, stop the trade with the USSR. Right, trade embargo until the exactly. Uh, so that that was very effective. I think that was one of the most effective things. And you've seen footage of Solidarity Sunday, right? I have, of course. I've seen those. Those were some interesting days. You know, my um, yeah, I, I have actually so many archives about. Uh, it's it's huge. It's unbelievable. I mean, it would make the front page in the New York Times sometimes. You know. Yeah, it should. It and it, of course, it should. <laughs> I'm sure not as often as it should have, but it, but it did. And today, uh, what does someone like yourself, who's somewhat familiar with the um, with the Russian government, or at least has heard stories, many I'm sure, of of, of uh, your parents speaking about Russian authorities, etc. As we watch in 2017, Vladimir Putin uh, make certain statements and establish certain relationships, specifically in the Middle East, but even with the President of the United States, 
What are your thoughts? What would you tell us naive Americans about what we should know about leadership in Russia? Look, I don't know a lot about what's happening right now, and I, uh, but uh, from what I, the little I know, uh, Russia would never change. It always have human rights issue, and it just changes its victims. And um, it's uh, the country; it has the same the same spirit. You can see it when wow. you go there, and when and you can see it that they arrested journalism right. and uh, and other things. So, I I don't think the country is changing. So when you see major Jewish communities in Russia, and there are major Jewish communities now in Russia, people who have not left, mm -hmm. do you sometimes feel the urge to say to them, there are better places for you or not? Well, maybe they like it there, so right. okay. And I don't think right now there's a problem with Jews, but it will return. At, <laughs> at least at this time, well, at least maybe now they can leave, because maybe right. now they can leave. It's, you know, it's it's their option. Uh, I I mean... They could live and they would be welcomed in Israel, like they have the Aliyah. So sure. if they prefer to be in Russia, they feel more comfortable there. It's fine. Right. You know, I don't, I don't mind. I just, it's just when we show the film in Russia. By the way, the film was accepted to the largest film festival for Russian films, and it was shown four times in Moscow. I was wondering how would people feel because how would I feel if I saw a film about someone who was willing to die just to leave the country right. that I like to stay in? Right. Very strange. I don't know, but they, they liked it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Anad Zalmanson Kuznetsov. The film is Operation Wedding. If you search online, Operation Wedding Documentary, you'll see there are all the places where it's uh, where it's showing, correct? I update, I update it all the time on Facebook and on the website and on the newsletter, and it's very, very easy to find and uh, we keep people know this all the time, and we'll be here in May. And uh, if someone hears us in Philadelphia and Cleveland, we're coming. They certainly are. Um, and and it's a story worth telling your children, and certainly a movie worth watching. It's called Operation Wedding, and it was, to say the least, a big turning point, a, an important historical event in modern Jewish history, an important historical event in the Soviet Jewry movement. Um, our best to your parents. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. A real pleasure meeting you. More coming up. It is a, a Thursday morning edition of JM and the AM as we continue right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.